Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth. Open us to your love. Open us to one another. Guide us on this journey of faith and life. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's so good to be back this morning and to see you all. Uh, I've been away for six weeks, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, we welcomed our fourth boy, Little Sam is doing great, so is his mom, Anna. I'm grateful to all of you who have uh, asked after us and have let us know that you're praying for us in these days. I'm grateful to this congregation for the generous leave time that you grant to new parents on our staff and to all of the members of the Knox staff. I'm grateful for the ways that you have pitched in during this time that I know was busy for you. Thank you, everybody. It was beautiful time. Beautiful time. There really is so much more to life than work, and I was so happy to be at home with my family in these precious days. I'll tell you one story. Most mornings, Anna would be the first one up to feed Sam. I would wait until Teddy, our one-year-old, would wake up, and I would get him out of his crib and bring him downstairs, and Teddy and I would join Anna and Sam. Anna would have uh, made the coffee, and I'd grab a cup of coffee and head for my favorite chair and get Teddy a sippy cup of milk, and he'd climb up in my lap. Our five- and six-year-olds, Mac and Charlie, would wake up shortly thereafter and they would make their way downstairs one at a time and they would climb up in the chair too and sit with me. So the four of us are crowded into this one chair and they would make sure that my arms were all the way on the outside around all of them holding all the older brothers together with mom and baby sitting across from us. This idyllic scene really happened. It really happened more than a few times. It was beautiful. When we were all settled in my favorite chair, everyone snuggled into just the right spot. The next thing was that one of those little boys would look up at me with a big smile and fart. <laughs> Because when you're five, that's exactly the thing to do during an otherwise priceless moment. <laughs> Other mornings, one brother would push another out of the chair or refuse to make room for him in the first place. Some mornings, I would be especially tired and really needing to get through that first cup of coffee and just would not be up for the 6.40 a.m. dad pile-on. Any of these scenarios and plenty of others are possible because we are just a regular family trying to figure out how to navigate the start of another day. 
There are moments of beauty along the journey, and there are times when we lose our way. I told you that little story of all the ones I could tell you because it's not such a bad metaphor for the scripture that is before us this morning, Psalm number 77. This is a psalm about what happens when an otherwise good journey of faith goes sideways. Even at times when everything else seems to be all right, we sometimes hit a patch where prayer is hard, where faith is less inspiring than it used to be, where God seems harder to find, or even seems to be hiding from us deliberately. Many of us go through these seasons of dryness in our faith. Honestly, most pastors do, most of us, if not all. Some of us are embarrassed to talk about it, worried that we won't look right to the rest of you. But when it comes to preaching a relevant sermon, I imagine that God being hard to find is something to which many of you can relate. So I admit it. These days, I am not feeling and hearing God's voice in a particularly strong way. I'm not exactly sure what I'm called to do in this season. I'm not finding myself as strongly drawn to prayer as I have been in other times. And I bet many of you have been there. So today I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about this part of the journey of faith, one that I think is common to a lot of us. And I'm going to tell you what some other people have said about it, and where I think it fits into our tradition of faith. And I'm not going to apologize for it, and I'm not going to try to explain it away. I'm going to claim that there may even be value to it. And I hope that this honesty is helpful to you in the event that you are in a season like the one that I am having. So I did have one spiritually comforting thing that happened to me during these past few weeks. I found that I was not alone in this season of spiritual dryness. It came about completely by accident. I picked up a book by Old Testament scholar and pastor Renita Weems. Renita Weems was a professor at Vanderbilt Divinity School when I was a student there. But I never took a class with her and I never read one of her books. And so it was with some embarrassment that a month ago, before I started my leave, I pulled one of her books off my shelf and took it with me to read. In that book, called Listening for God, Renita Weems writes about a season of her own life not so different from my own experience. She had a lot of the same challenges that I know many of you are facing. She was teaching in the university, she was traveling some for her work, she was preaching on Sundays, and she was tending to a home and a marriage when along came a baby daughter. Writing about that time in her life, she says this, Each of the three professions I'd chosen for myself called for an ability to close the door on the world for hours of concentration. But now... I looked down at my young daughter and I knew instinctively that gone were my days of being able to barricade myself in my study 
And it was in that season, with that concentrated quiet time at an end for good, that Weems found herself not hearing the voice of God in the way that she was used to. At times, she was terrified of what that might mean for her ministry. But after a long period of doubt, she finally concluded that this was something natural and important and not to be feared. A season of faith in which God's voice is not clear and not inspiring. Describing it with a metaphor about swimming, Weems writes this, After what felt like years of flailing about, When I saw that I wasn't going to drown, I began to calm down and stop fighting the waters. In another way of putting it, she writes, Most of the spiritual pain I have experienced over the years has been the result of my failure to surrender to the season in which I found myself. Sometimes we go through a season of dryness and frustration in our faith. If you are a believer long enough, it is almost sure to happen. There is actually a meaning and a purpose to that part of the journey. And we can try to accept it even if we can't speed it along or make it go away. Reading these stories that Renita Weems tells about herself, I found a companion in ministry and reassurance in the midst of juggling parenthood with my ministry. The comparisons have their limits. I don't have to spend very long watching my wife Anna care for Sam to realize that mothers are up to something different. Mothers like Anna and Renita Weems experience and rise to parenting challenges that I will never completely understand. But I do know what it's like to be a dad. I understand what it's like to be busy. I understand what it's like to live a crowded life. My life is deeply joyful in so many ways. But it often feels like a long-distance race that pauses every night at bedtime only to awaken to the starter's pistol just a few hours later, day in and day out. I know what it's like to have three hours for sermon writing, set aside on a Saturday morning or two and a half hours on a Thursday afternoon, and then be really angry when God doesn't show up on my schedule. I'm sure that plenty of you have experienced something similar when your spiritual life doesn't seem to line up with the rest of your life. Perhaps you chuckle a bit cynically when we here at Knox offer mindful Saturday mornings that will never fit your schedule, or when we ask you to begin worship by breathing slowly and remembering that God is in this space right now because you're having a hard time buying it. We have a companion in the one who wrote the words of the psalm we read this morning. One who has known what it is to have faith, just not lately. I 
cry aloud to God, says that psalm. I cry aloud to God that God may hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan. I meditate and my spirit faints. You, God, keep my eyelids from closing. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, and I remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has God's steadfast love ceased forever? Are God's promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has God in anger shut up God's compassion? These are the words of a regular person having trouble finding God. This person prays and hears no answer or is having trouble praying at all. And this is in the Bible. This is part of faith. Lots of sermons, books, and podcasts, lots of sermons right in this place are targeted at the faith of seekers. People who are new to the faith, who connect with inspiring stories of finding God. I believe those experiences are real. I believe that there is a place for that kind of preaching. This is not that kind of sermon. This one is for people who have been on the journey of faith long enough to have, got been, to have gotten lost a few times. This is for people who have been on the journey long enough to have found some dead ends. And nevertheless, you are still walking. I know you're still walking because you're here this morning. So let me take a few more minutes to tell you a little about why I believe this lostness and these dead ends are not such a bad thing. The first illustration I'll use has to do with the difference between summer and winter. I spent much of the last few weeks working in the yard. Most of the time it was in that short window between bedtime and complete darkness. If you do any gardening yourself, you know that plants may look best in the summer, but they actually grow stronger during the winter. We plant grass seed and trees and shrubs in the fall because winter is the time when the roots are established. Similarly, in farming, an important part of the health of the soil is seasons when fields lie fallow and nothing is planted at all. In order to be productive and healthy, sometimes the soil needs to do nothing. I believe these cycles that exist in the natural world, the world that God created, these are also a part of the life of faith. The early experiences of connection with God, the summertime of faith, 
That stuff is easy and inspiring to talk about. But from what I have seen, most of the real giants of faith have been through some winter seasons when God seemed very quiet, very far away. We often can't see it, but it is in those seasons when our faith may be growing in the most important of ways. We are becoming faithful people who don't need to depend on frequent inspiration or on obvious proof. That's what happens in the winter of faith. Building on that, the second thing I will offer has to do with a word that is like faith, but that connotes something a little different. The word is fidelity. Fidelity is what happens when faith meets routine. Fidelity is showing up for faith when we don't feel like it. Fidelity looks like parents who get their kids to hundreds of soccer practices and games and rehearsals, who put food on the table every single day, and who keep loving teenagers who tell you that they hate you. Fidelity is adults who do the same thing for their aging parents. Fidelity is keeping faith with a spouse when marriage gets boring or forgiving a spouse when a wrong has been done. Fidelity is showing up for church committees whose work benefits someone else, even when you are not feeling inspired by God. Often the routine, the rat race, the need to show up for something can be totally exhausting. New faith is easy to find. Fidelity in times when God's voice is hard to hear, that's a faith that's really worth having. Finally, a word about community. When we find ourselves in the wintertime of faith, I think we need other people around us. I am grateful for all of you. It is not lost on me that the good fortune that my family has experienced in these recent weeks is not something that everyone shares. We have four happy, healthy little boys. Wow. Right here in this room, are parents whose children have endured serious illness right from childbirth, whose children have battled cancer, whose children have been in serious accidents and died too young, whose children have battled with depression and resorted to suicide. It is not lost on me how fortunate our children have been so far. It is not lost on me how fragile and how vulnerable they always will be as they grow up, that things could change any time. It's not lost on me how many of you have struggled and were not able to have the children that you hoped for. 
strong is the faith of all of you who have already looked these challenges in the eye and continue to walk in faith. In the days when God's voice is hard for me to hear, I'm I'm grateful for you. I believe that these quiet times in the life of faith have an end. I believe that there are times when we rediscover the voice of God. God's voice is rediscovered in ways that are deeper and richer than they used to be because of the quiet seasons. The same psalm in which we read about the doubts, it also says this, notice the future tense. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all of your work and muse on your mighty deeds. And the psalm also says this, Your way, God, was through the sea, and your path was through the mighty waters, and so your footprints were unseen. Sometimes in the life of faith, God's footprints go unseen for a season. Washed away the way that footprints are when you walk along the edge of the ocean and you watch your own footprints disappear in the surf. Sometimes God's footprints cannot be seen. I believe that God is there on every step of the journey. And I believe also in winter times of faith, when nothing is seen and roots are growing stronger. I believe in the purpose of fidelity and routine. I believe in showing up for faith. And I believe in the community that we share along the journey. I'm grateful to be with you as we worship God in every season. Amen.